This is the Break 80 Podcast, and we're thrilled to be joined by founder and CEO of the St. Paul-based clothing apparel company, Unreal, Michael E. Jordan. Thanks for joining us, Michael, uh, from what appears to be sunny Florida. We are in sunny Florida. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, honored to be a part of this podcast, even though I, I don't know a ton about Breaking 80. Um, <laughs> we, we've done it a few times, and, and maybe I'm the perfect guest for that. <laughs> awesome. For that well, regard. For sure. Well, I want to start, and this is, you know, just kind of, you know, your name is is something that, um, you know, is probably one of the most popular names in the entire world, if not, you know, ever. And I got to ask with the name that, that uh, of Michael Jordan, is it something that your parents knew they were getting into when they gave it to you? Or is it something that you've always embraced? Was it something that you had to come to terms with? Um, I'd say more so come to, come to terms with, <laughs> I would say my... Uh... It's funny. My, my parents were not basketball fans growing up in Minnesota. They were hockey fans primarily. And um, the story goes, I was born in 93, which if you're a, if you're an MJ fan, he was three championships in at that point. And my name was originally supposed to be Elliot. I was born two months premature. So I was in kind of like a incubator, you know, for a few weeks um, at the very early stages of my life. And and so my mom had it pre-planned. I was going to be named after uh, my great-grandmother's maiden name, Elliot. And when I was born, she thought I looked like a Michael, for whatever that means. And uh, <laughs> she loved the name Michael. And the nurses are giving her a hard time. They're like, lady, you can't name your son Michael Jordan. Uh, it's suicide, right? And 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 so my mom calls her sister, Linda, and you know, and talking it all through. And Linda's like, well you know, if you like the name Michael, just name him Michael. He'll be, he'll be a flash in the pan. I mean, nobody will even know who he is in 10 years. That's And, <laughs> and so the first, this is the best part. So it was a stalemate. They weren't sure what to do for those two weeks. So the nurses took it upon themselves to put a temporary name on my incubator. Air Jordan was the name, my name <laughs> for the first uh, two weeks. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's been a, I think kind of a battle, but at the same time, it's I, I'm sure it, it helps in some ways that people don't forget my name, but the hard part is no one forgets your name and you meet somebody once in passing, you know, five years ago at a bar and, and you see them again and they're, Hey, Michael, it's me, Joey. And it's like, Oh, okay. Hey, you. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so oh, kind of with that, my, with that, I was just curious on, is, is there, is there, do you think a little bit of small psychology in the fact that you've now developed this, this business going forward and, you know, success with the name of Michael Jordan is something that, you know, is kind of goes hand in hand. And do you think there's a small part of that or no? Uh, I like some divine force that because that's my name, it's all, you know, success follows the name. I don't know, maybe, but I, <laughs> we haven't utilized it. I'll say I haven't utilized it to help in any way. I, I really tried not to. I mean, you won't find my name on our websites or anything, you know, um, I, I, I personally stay pretty low key um, and don't really put myself out there as necessarily the forefront face of the brand. Um, so I haven't, I've really tried to not utilize it to an advantage by any means. Um, I know the guys at Barstool seem to get a kick out of it. Everybody gets a kick out of it, but um <laughs> There was one episode on on foreplay when I think it was Frankie or Riggs mentioned the guy that owns Unreal. His name is Michael Jordan. He signs off on his text as MJ, which 
I have, I, yeah, I've always, everybody calls me MJ my whole life. So I've always rolled with that. And I honestly like don't even associate it until the last dance came out. I guess I never really even fully associated it with the other MJ. Um, but that was pretty funny. I, my, all of a sudden I got a thousand text messages of, and audio clips and everyone's laughing. And, uh, <laughs> that was, that was quite embarrassing, but you know, it is what it is. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe big pic- big picture, you can pry him away and you guys can do a collab for Unreal. You know, I know Air Jordan's cool kind of a fledgling, a fledgling <laughs> thing for Nike. <laughs> How cool would that be? I have a, I'll tell you what, after that last dance came out, I've got, uh, he's my favorite athlete of all time. I mean, I, he always was, a, you know, someone I always really looked up to, but I didn't know all the details behind the scenes. That guy is, a, he's, a, he's a machine. I mean, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anyone with that level of, cutthroat mentality winning or nothing kind of uh, approach and uh it's inspiring for sure he's the real deal got well, some big shoes in, to fill yeah let's get into your i just want to get into your sports background a little bit uh what, what sports did you enjoy growing up and and any are any of them kind of currently a part of your life today or are you kind of past that stage in life yeah good question i i grew up playing hockey that was my primary sport i played uh quite a bit of lacrosse as well. That's that really kind of broke through and, and became a, a prominent sport. I don't know when I was probably 10 or 10 years old or so. And so I, I jumped in kind of in the early stages of Minnesota lacrosse, I should say it was big on the East coast um, and played that through high school. Um, my dad always wanted me to get into golf when I was young and I never enjoyed it like I do now. Um, but I played, you know, I, I did some, you know, youth leagues and a couple tournaments and stuff when I was probably 12 and under um and then I kind of hung it up and I, I really wanted to be good at hockey and so put most of my energy into hockey and the cross and, and didn't really pick up golf again until probably 2019 or so um but golf is now my uh it's my obsession I I absolutely love the game and um play it every chance I can hockey I've I think I burned myself out a little bit through playing every day from, I don't know, five, five years old till 18 years old. Um, and ultimately just kind of knew I wasn't, uh, I wasn't good enough to go make money at it ever or get a division one scholarship. Um, I was a all right high school player, but, um, that doesn't get you very far coming out of Minnesota. So I was a little better at business and said, let's, we're going to hang up the skates and go, go the entrepreneurial route. And so that was kind of the path I chose, but hockey, Hockey's still a huge part of, of my my life, I guess. You know, we do so much in the hockey world with with Unreal and lacrosse as well. We have a, a lacrosse, a national lacrosse program that travels around the country and plays, competes out east. And um, so I love following along with those guys and, and staying, you know, close to the game, um, but certainly not lacing up my skates or, or getting out on the lacrosse field uh, very often anymore. Well, the Break 80 podcast, we, we really enjoy sharing cool stories, and we think you have one. Um, we feel like you've got a, a good one to share for our listeners, and share with us how Unreal got started. How did it get going? Um, why did it get going? You kind of talked already about you kind of hung up the skates and thought of something different, and just kind of tell us that that whole story. Yeah, um, it's a it's a loaded story, a lot of detail here, but I'm going to do, do my best to really just cut to the important stuff here. When I, so when I, I started doing graphic design when I was really, really young, I was 13, uh, I think when I really started and it went from graphic design to web design and then 
I was a caddy actually at, at a local country club, Delwood Country Club, and all my all of my uh, guys that I caddied for, most of them I should say, owned small or medium sized businesses. And back then it was a little different. Uh, when you needed a website built, it was all you know built from scratch, and agencies would charge twenty thousand or so, you know, to make a website. Now it's a little more accessible, but um, so back then I was, I was selling website services to, to these guys. I was kind of my side hustle. I'd carry their bag and then, Hey, by the way, do you need a website? And so I would design the logos, do the websites. And then one guy called up and needed some polos and hats for his, his staff. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I can figure it out. And, and I contacted a, a local guy, Derek Cooper, we call him Coop. Um, and he had all the embroidery equipment in his basement and, um, helped me get, you know, the first products rolling and and it was someone else's generic brand polo and we, we just put the logo on it but i kind of fell in love with the apparel side of things at that point um i was probably 16 or 15 or 16 years old at the time actually maybe maybe younger uh but anyways um you know seeing an idea in your head and then putting it on paper and then you know you have a digital version of it and a logo but then when you actually can touch and feel a tangible product that i just kind of did something hit me different and uh I fell in love with it from then on. And um, when I got to, I went to Mankato, Minnesota State Mankato for my college. Um, and I, I went there to study business. And I started a, I started a, a jersey manufacturing company my freshman year. And it was a dye sublimation company. So actually the, the shirt I'm wearing is a dye sublimation shirt, but this is a kind of a poor example of it. Dye sub is when think of like a motocross jersey or a, a fully printed softball jersey or, a, you know, the, the really loud polos like uh, John Daly's loud mouth stuff where you can print unlimited colors and graphics all over a garment um, or all over fabric. You're not limited um, like you are in screen printing or embroidery where it's, uh, you know, very set locations and, and the more colors you use, typically the more expensive it is. Um this is kind of a blank canvas. And so I learned about that. I, I decided I'm going to start a Jersey company and uh, long story short, I had a partner who did all the manufacturing and, and that um, partnership, unfortunately um, fell through it. And, and really, you know, I was, I was a young kid, I was 18 and I, I was kind of backed into a corner and, and taken advantage of a little bit. And it turned into almost like the Facebook movie, right? Like the arbitration where you have attorneys on either side of the table and, and that, I ended up having to drop out of school because we well, I dropped out of school at the good part when we had um, a really massive licensing contract on the table. Um, so I dropped out because I needed to be in the office full time working on it. And so I was midway through sophomore year at the time when I dropped out. And then after uh, the business relationship went sour, we went eight months of arbitration. And I get that, that was a nightmare, um, to tell you the truth. And I finally finally decided to pull the plug. I, I didn't see really the light at the end of the tunnel on that. And and so I pulled the plug, said I'm going to cut my losses. I'm at this point, I'm a 19 year old kid with uh, about 75 grand in debts that I just racked up, and I'm back home in mom's basement. Mm -hmm. um, and that whole thing I dropped out of school for is now fizzled and gone. Um, so I was kind of in a dark spot for a minute, and, and thinking, you know, this wow, this sucks. You know, I'm, I just really made a huge mistake, and I should have just stayed in school. Um, but I thought, hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try again. I'm still young. You know, I'm gonna let's get back on the horse here and see what we can do. And I always had this idea for a brand called unreal because every athlete seems to use that phrase when they're describing just the best moments, you know, when they win the Super Bowl and they ask, how did that feel? It was unreal. 
So I thought, gosh, what a cool word. How do we coin that into a, a lifestyle brand and make it more about the sports I do like the hockey, the lacrosse, golf, football. Um, and so in the Jersey thing, I didn't really get into detail, but it was, uh, it was esports. So making sublimated jerseys for the video game world. And we had a big partnership with major league gaming or MLG, which is, it was at the time, kind of the NFL of video games. Um, and so that whole thing unfortunately collapsed, uh, but it was one of the best learning lessons I, I could have ever had. I, I like to refer to it as, as my MBA program as I dropped out of school. Um, but I, I got back on the horse. I had 300 bucks left and that was sitting in my savings account. I knew I had to start making payments to my attorney and everyone else. So um, I had to go get a real job. I became a real estate appraiser and I launched this unreal brand. I called up Coop, the guy that I originally started working with when I was you know, 15 or so years old. Um, and I said, Hey man, how many hats and t-shirts can we do for 300 bucks? I'm going to do this thing again. And I don't know, come on over, we'll figure it out. And and that was kind of how it started, man. I, I knew how to make websites. I knew how to design product. Um, so I was able to put it together on a shoestring budget. And we started our first, you know, first round of inventory was just generic blank t-shirts that you can buy from a you know normal distributor. We'd rip the tags out, put an unreal label in there. Um, and actually the first hat was, uh, the name of the brand was unreal, spelled all the way out with the vowels. Now it's UNRL, but um, for the first few months, it was Unreal spelled all the way out. We did a Titleist kind of knockoff script hat. So it said Unreal on a white text on a black hat. It was kind of cool, actually. But um, something about saying the word, the full word spelled out wasn't quite as cool uh, as I think what it is now. So I think it was, I don't know, two, three months in, we changed it to UNRL and and never looked back. But um, but that was kind of the very beginning. And, and so I was printing shirts, you know, one man band printing shirts in my mom's basement that year. Um, I was dropped out for a year and a half. And I was, again, working as a real estate appraiser during the day, coming home and printing shirts and running them to the post office at night. And, um, and then I ended up going back to school. Um, my dad never had a college degree and he, he was kind of disappointed that I dropped out. So I figured I better please the old man and, and get my butt back to school. So I went back and, and uh, turned my apartment into our, our first manufacturing facility. I had heat presses and, and shelving lining the whole apartment and just pretty much picked up where I, what I was doing in my mom's basement uh, when I got back to Mankato. And um, same drill, you know, I, I gave up the real estate thing, but I, I uh, would go to go to class and every, you know, whenever I was coming home from class, I would be in, in the quote unquote office and um, and you know, trying to get this thing rolling, but we leaned into social media and, and just really focused on growing a good following um, organically because we didn't have the money to, you know, we didn't have a bunch of VC investors back in this thing where we could blow it up overnight. And um, that was never really a path that I, I looked or, or desired to go after, especially after getting burned in a bad partnership deal. I was thought, I'm going to do this one solo this time around. And, and uh, fortunately I was able to recruit really solid help uh, in Mankato and, you know, had had some really good guys jump on board immediately and help us get this thing off the ground. And so it was uh, after that year, after my sophomore year, we we opened an office down there and and really started to pick up some steam and um, spent a year in that office, graduated, um, really accelerated all my classes. And then we moved to St. Paul and brought a lot of those people with us. And they're still with us today, a lot of them. So it's been quite a journey, but no shortcuts. I'll tell you that it's been a lot of elbow grease for sure. What, what, how, how did you, you know, going from a basement to 
the advertising stuff you know that's just getting the name out there i love that you've got i love the name of why you have unreal i think that's fantastic that's phenomenal how did you you take that and you know it's one thing to kind of be something local or in mankato as a thing how did you get that to expand like what was your strategies or um it's a good question and it's not really a one-shot answer i mean we had to go slow and and be very methodical with with what we were doing and choosing to to do right we didn't have this huge marketing budget where we could throw a million things at the wall and see what sticks what we did was leaned into leaned into um those influencer social media accounts you know uh, something like like a golf memes account or, or hockey memes or whatever and what we uncovered is there's usually a 13 year old kid behind the scenes running that thing and he's willing to work for clothes so That's <laughs> we, <awesome. laughs> we would trade a lot for uh for you know giveaways on on these different big you know hundred thousand follower plus accounts and that helped us kind of get the ball rolling a little bit and a big detail I skipped was when I was working as the real estate appraiser, we had this t-shirt company going and it was, you know, it was super small, but I got a call one day and I, it, usually I'm getting calls from, uh, you know, bankers or, or real estate agents. And I get a call from a guy. The first thing he says is, are you the t-shirt guy? I'm like, uh, yeah, I am. Uh, who is this? So this is Jordan Leopold. Um, I, I need some t-shirts <laughs> made up for my buddies in the locker room. And if, if, for those of you who don't know, he's a hockey player that was, I mean, he was my idol growing up. I mm-hmm. almost fell out of my chair when that call came in, but he, uh, he played for the Minnesota Gophers, won the Hobie Baker, and then had a I think, 13 year career in the NHL. And he was with St. Louis at the time when he called and he said, we got this fantasy football league and we need, uh, yeah, I need to do some really funny t-shirts and get them to everybody in the locker room. And I, I was like, ah, uh, yeah, Jordan, any, anything you need. And my boss is looking at me like, who's on the phone? I'm like, don't worry about it. You know? <laughs> <Yep>. uh, <laughs> and so he ended up, I did a few runs of shirts for him and and his teammates. And then um, I, I told him on the phone, I said, Hey man, look, here's what I'm really trying to do. I kind of built a relationship with Jordan and said, what I'm trying to do is get in the NHL. I'd love to do. And I, I wanted to take this sublimation process, the full, full color dyed printed garment and, and put it into a really casual wearable garment. So Think of taking a hockey jersey and converting it into a hoodie and all the elements of a jersey designed into the hoodie, but it's, you know, you can wear it out and it doesn't look like too fan central-ish, I guess. Um, and he said, well, yeah, it's a cool idea. And I said, can I send you a, a sample and, and maybe you put it on the right person's desk over in St. Louis? And he said, sure, yeah, we can do that. But why don't, why don't I just get you a meeting with the wild? They're right in your backyard. That'll be easier. He made it sound like that was not a big yeah. deal at all. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes, that would be great. And Jordan was nice enough to come back and join me in the meeting. And um, he threw this, uh, brought a sample in and, and uh, he threw it on and basically told the buyers that, you know, if you want to be cool, you gotta, you gotta go with unreal. This is the next cool brand. And he was really just, you know, going out on a limb for me and, and being a good guy, which a lot of hockey people are. Um, the, granted the sweatshirt almost ripped at the seams. I could hear it literally tearing. It was like a size medium with no <laughs> stretch and he's, he needed about an XL or two X <laughs> And so, um, thankfully it held on and we were able to get our first order. And I think getting an NHL exposure right, right away was big for us and kind of helped, um, substantiate us as a legitimate brand. Um, 
And then, you know, we figured out how to make a good hoodie and, and sold through our first run with the wild and, and things just kept kind of steamrolling from there. It's, it's been a snowball really that just has kept growing and growing and growing. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's been a lot of zigzagging around too, trying to figure out what's our niche and what's our angle. How do we, how do we compete with Nike and, and these big guys on, on such a huge, uh, saturated market. And it's not an easy thing to do. We, we, we thought heavily about being a custom apparel company for a long time and something about that just didn't, uh, you know, I think we could be amazing at it. And we've built some software that would be like the Nike ID of customizing apparel, but we never released it because, well, I think I just have had such a passion for being a lifestyle brand. I know it's a way harder um, avenue to go, but we ended up when COVID hit, that was, we put all our eggs in that basket and, and leaned into being a lifestyle brand and, and then, you know, the next thing that happened was barstool calls and, and that door opens. And so it's just been one thing after another, to tell you the truth, there hasn't been a, you know, there's a lot of calculated methodical decisions being made. I don't want to underestimate it, but it hasn't been like, here's the strategy and here's how we're deploying mm -hmm. it. And here's our burn rates and, you know, how we're going to get from A to Z in this time frame. It's It's been pretty uh, bootstrapped and, and just, you know, one step at a time for us. So when you're talking about like loud colors and and shirts and stuff what's your take on the golf industry because you get some of that with some pretty wild stuff out there sometimes yeah no kidding it's uh you know the flamingos and palm trees and beer cans printed all over the polo has really been the, the rage for the last few years um and you know that it is what it is right i think it's uh it's happening whether we like that or not but um I think it's cool. It's fun. It adds a new element to the game and it, it really um, adds a level of fun to the game. Um, but it's not our brand necessarily to be the loud, you know, loud mouth, John Daly-esque type brand. Um, so we had to really get strategic about how do we participate in that world. And, and you know, the full printed polos are, are here for a while. They're not going anywhere yet. Um, but how do we add more sophistication to it? And, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we do that with um, like the shirt I'm wearing now is very simple and subtle and, you know, maybe just reducing it to two colors and having a nice clean pattern, um, where it still has some personality, but it's not, Hey, I'm here to drink 30 beers and flip my golf cart. It's uh, I'm here to break 80. <laughs> 100%. We like to hear it. <laughs> well, and, and I, you know, going, kind of going off that product talking, I mean, you're, I've got some unreal clothes on right now. I've got your joggers and your, in your hoodie here. And it's like, it seems to me that you guys are a very forward thinking company. You're trying to always kind of forward think and, and try something that maybe is not out there. And that's one way that you can do some separate, you know, separating from the Nikes and the, the Adidas and, you know, even these joggers with the multi, you know, pocket in there that just feels super comfortable and cozy. Like you almost have to kind of be on top of your toes and always be looking at what we can do next to try to, you know, compete with some of those places. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think what gives us an advantage is being, being smaller. I mean, we're a team of 34 employees at the moment, um, but we're agile, right? And we, we can pivot and we can make decisions without a bunch of corporate red tape telling us what to do. And, and, you know, we don't have a, a bit. Here's a, an easy way to describe it. I think Nike and Adidas really work on deadlines and they need to have a hundred new styles done by uh, March one. Right. And and we have similar timelines and, and goals, but if the product is not ready by March one, we're not going to say, well, it's good enough. Just get it into production. Uh, we're going to say, Hey, we're going to have to push this back to the next season or the next year. 
because we have a lot of work to do yet on this product. It's not quite where it needs to be. The two products that you're wearing, the the hoodie and the pants, the Apex Apex pant crossover hoodie, those each took over two years to make. I mean, it was iteration after iteration. And, um, you know, I personally went, went to Asia and, and went underground literally to find the fabric and, and, uh, traveled, you know, wow. crazy distances. And met with so many different people to find the perfect, you know, unique fabrics that would work the best and, and fits on those pants is not an easy thing to master. That that's what really took us a long time. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's being way more, um, way more, uh, detail oriented on on our product development that i think has set us apart and allowed us to you know i, I firmly believe that our product would go toe-to-toe and, and beat the lululemons of the world and i think lulu um is is as good as they get right i think they, they when they came to the scene and, and the menswear side especially they really gave nike and adidas a run for their money and and lifted the raised the bar significantly in the product quality standpoint um and so we've always looked at them as kind of our, our measuring stick. And if we can beat them, then, you know, and we have a cooler brand, I, I'm biased obviously, but if, if we have a cooler, more edgy sports related brand, I think we'll do well in this space. And so that's sort of been our, our mentality all the way through. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the golf apparel. What, what, you know, getting kind of more into the golf Lance, golf Lance seems as the, as the kind of years go on, I know you've got a, a passion for golf and that's probably a part of, part of it too. Um, What's your, your, what's your vision for the golf part? Yeah, good question. I mean, I've, I've had a passion for this game for a while and, and then, you know, what was interesting is, is COVID really made everybody have a passion for the game. It seems like, um, which worked so well for us that right as we were kind of going head first into golf, the rest of the world decided we're, we're coming with you. Um, but I see, I see golf as, is a bridge right it's such a bridge between all the other sports you have the acc tournament where you've got guys like adam thielen who's one of our our main sponsored athletes and he's one of the top dogs in that celebrity tournament um you got steph curry and you know Mm -hmm. justin timberlake and patrick mahomes and all these guys from different different backgrounds different sports or, or careers that they have one thing in common they all are gamers on the golf course and love it and and so that's kind of the uh, the angle that Unreal is really servicing right now um, is is getting our, you know, we signed football players who happen to be, well, we signed golfers who happen to actually make their dough playing football or, you know, playing hockey. And and I think, you know, we're, we're going to start really unloading the, the, or, you know, I guess taking the cap off on, on getting some PGA tour guys that are, are sponsored athletes, but that wasn't my first, um, that wasn't the first strategy for us. Just it's so saturated. It's, it's, you know, it's expensive for one, but it's, I, I don't know that we're going to set ourselves apart from all the other golf brands by doing that. So this was one way we could kind of think outside the box and, and make a difference in the golf world um, without spending millions on PGA tour guys right out of the gates and partnerships with Barstool um, Barstool and the four play podcast has been, you know, monumental for us in, in terms of getting our name out there and, and, you know, being relevant in the golf space, it was actually, that's a funny one. Our hoodie, the crossover hoodie you're wearing now. Um, I had an inkling this would be a great golf hoodie. It wasn't necessarily designed for golf, but the, it's not a baggy hoodie. It's, it's pretty athletic fitting. And 
Um, it's not, I wouldn't say slim, but it's, you know, it's closer to your skin. There's not a lot of access fabric on the sleeves and everything. And so you can swing in it, you can play golf and it's, it's comfortable to golf in. And when Barstool called, it was uh, a guy out of Chicago that runs all their partnerships and said, Hey man, we got to figure out a way to work together. I've been wearing your hat and polo for like the last three days in a row. It's super comfortable stuff. And, and that was incredible in itself. But I said, Hey man, we got to get you some hoodies. Cause I think that's where we can stand out a little bit. And so we, we shipped out the first sample and, and somehow Riggs ended up with it. And then it was right during COVID and he did this selfie. Um, he did a selfie on Twitter wearing a N95 or whatever and said, I'm COVID free or came, test came back negative. Yeah. And then within minutes, there's like thousands of comments. Where do I get that hoodie? Where do I get that hoodie? Cause he happened to be wearing it and there was a glimpse of it. And he kind of had no choice because there's so many people asking for it before we even had an order. He said, hoodie will be out in a month. And then they called and said, hey, we got to get an order in and figure this out. And, and that hoodie just like exploded. It was so cool to see. And the next thing you know, he's golfing with Jake Owen and um, Darius Rucker, I think it was. And yep, they were wearing yep. the hoodies. And then, then you see him on the tour and people are wearing them, you know, competing on tour for the first time, I, I think, wearing hoodies on, on tour. So uh, very inadvertently, the crossover hoodie somehow just became the golf hoodie. And and so that was a, a huge wind at our back. And I feel like we've just had a lot of really good balances. I'm a, I'm a Christian guy. And I, I think that, you know, we've just, we've really got a lot of favor and, and been very blessed on our journey. And it's been, you know, I, I don't want to say luck because a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work goes into getting those moments to happen, but, um, but we've definitely been favored, I think. And, and, uh, and yeah, super grateful for the opportunities that have just continued to, to unravel uh, with this journey. Yeah, those guys are big. Those guys are big time. Remember that, Jeff? We we caddied for them, and then Frankie just said something about an episode we did where we critiqued their games or something. And then next thing you know, it had just blown up. We were like the like tenth or eleventh highest ranked golf podcast in America. No way How for a cool while there. That. Yeah, those guys. Those guys have a lot of pull. A lot of pull in the industry. They well, certainly do. Well, let's. What about what about the three M partnership? You know, that's another big avenue of you know you've now partnered with a PGA Tour event. You know, and that's your unreal name all out there. And uh, especially for the people in Minnesota, we see on unreal all over the place. And there's, you know, a big merch tent with unreal, everything that's gotta be a big, uh, a big thing for you guys too. Absolutely, man. That's a, that's a huge feather in the cap for sure. This was our last summer was our first time in the merch tent at a PGA event. And, and that was a tough one to get, to get to the finish line. It's not through the three M open. It's, it goes all through PGA tour, the merch tent. And so um, it gets to be pretty tricky to get through and, and uh, get some product out there, but it's been an incredible partnership. Um, 3M Open really does a nice job um, making sure that we're getting really good exposure and, and we're, um, uh, yeah, we're really getting what we're paying for out there. And, and selfishly, you know, they, I love it because they always throw me in the pro-am too. And, and I get to go out and <laughs> nice. play with some pretty cool guys and played with David Skins last summer and, and the year before it was KH Lee. And that oh. was the KH Lee one was incredible because I was so nervous. <laughs> it was like, I'm sure. hands are shaking on the first tee, but I'm sure you guys have been here uh, where you play way better when you're nervous. And uh, <laughs> fortunately broke 80 in that one. And it was nice. awesome. Um, so, and that doesn't happen for me too often. I'm too busy working to, to get really dialed in. I'm, I'm like an eight handicap. So it doesn't happen super often, but uh, you know, when it does on, on a stage like that, it's pretty fun. 
we're big KH Lee guys here on the podcast. He's like international sex symbol. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's funny because he's, well, one, the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Super soft-spoken, uh, but just a genuine, you know, when you're talking to a guy and you can tell they actually care and like want to hear what you know what you have to say and, and they're interested and he was very engaged the entire round and and then uh he said something i think my so my old man was caddying for me in this and and he asked him something about what are your goals on tour and he said i want to be a good golfer but i want to be the sexiest golfer on tour and he yeah. just said it with a straight face That's and we're funny. like what that was the first i didn't know that was his actual uh like funny little mission until that he said that but uh absolutely hilarious when, when you're out, you, sorry mike go ahead when you're out there playing with those guys that we caddied for the foreplay guys isn't it unbelievable how good they are like just unreal it's yes it is it uh it humbles you a little bit right i mean <laughs> you realize how big of a difference there is between those guys and, <laughs> and us i remember his uh his caddy was putting tees in the ground or in the in the green where the hole would be the next day right and and so he puts a tee down. What hole is this? Uh, anyways, puts a tee down. It's a plateaued green and KH is 20, 25 yards away and he can't see the green. He's down below it and he chips up to it. He, he chips four balls up and hits the tee three out of the four. The, the <laughs> fourth one that missed was like three inches from it. My dad and I just looked at each other and shook our heads. Like you've got to be kidding me. And that's insane. Uh, they're, they're, unbelievable just the consistency is what separates those guys from from the really good amateurs what do you what are you working on in your game out of curiosity like what's some short game is brutal man (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty good off the tee i'm a good ball striker but i cannot put the ball in the wall i need to learn the old man golf side of things and just start being more of a shot maker and and uh just really dial in that my putting is is what kills me if it's on i'm i'm breaking 80 every time if it's off it could be ugly, you know? And so I need to get, I need to get my time in on, on the short game. Matter of fact, I've got a, we're down in Florida right now, as I mentioned, we have a first day we got here. I got a little uh, Callaway turf mat and some little Nerf golf balls and a net thing on the other side of the pool. So I've been trying, we're, we're doing what we can to dial it in. I love it. You're clearly addicted. That's what Mike and I like. To <laughs> we like that. We like to hear it. We put a Trackman Bay in at the office. For clients, uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good write-off. Yeah. Um, we'll get you out here in a, little, in a second. I just got a couple more things that I want to touch on. One of the things is just the old, you know, entrepreneurship in general. That that thing is becoming kind of a, a thing that a lot of younger people I seem seem to be kind of attracted to. You know, less going to school for four years, more trying to get information any way they can and, and get started early. You see a lot of young people's success out there and, and, and choosing to stay away from the four-year college route and, and trying to learn knowledge from whether it be YouTube, podcast, you know, you know, stuff like that. But somebody that kind of did their own self taught in some ways and get some school, like what are some, what are some things, your, your advice in, in that and in, in that whole space and, and going from that direction? Um, would, would you, would you consider, you know, doing the four-year thing or, you know, I'm just kind of curious on well, your thoughts on that, that whole entrepreneurship. Take yeah, off. great, great question. I'm, um, I guess I, I'm nervous to say this because I, I do a lot of uh, giving back with Mankato and, and going in and speaking to their college of business. Um, but I tell these guys all the, all the time, the internet is a wealth of knowledge and I learned everything that I know for the most part on Google or YouTube or whatever it may be from 
from the business side of things and how to how to figure out you know how to properly account do accounting practices for this or that or all the way down to how to design tech packs to make a garment um i didn't go to fashion school but i had to learn it because i couldn't afford a, a you know super expensive fashion designer to come work for me out of the gate um graphic design web design social media all of it you can learn so much just by diving in and, and following some of these experts that have tutorials on youtube um so i encourage everybody to to dive in and utilize that resource as much as you can i'm definitely not against the four-year route um i think there's there's so much that i did learn when i was there but i i even tell the professors now that when i dropped out of school for that year and a half that was kind of my mba program especially going through the arbitration process and the contracts and and all of that was unbelievable uh, as far as my learning curve goes and and i frankly i hit a wall that uh i would have probably ran into at some point later on the, down the road and if, it, if i would have just hit a home run on that first swing i'd be it'd be a bigger fall you know today if everything was swept out from under me um so i i, I think I, i'm still very grateful that that whole thing fell apart on my first venture because um where it put me today but when i went back to school um I was going through the accounting classes and the IT classes and the the business, all the whole business school and, and really learning that well, I was learning the terminology for a lot of the things that I was doing day to day. And it just really connected the dots for me. Whereas if you do it the other way around, you learn from a textbook and then three, four years later, you go try to put it to work. It's, it's very, very, you don't learn, you don't learn very well that way, right? You're, you're trying to pull back your textbooks and dig through them for a better example, I took Spanish for three, three years, three and a half years or something through college. I can't speak a lick of Spanish today because no. I didn't practice. So um, if I had to choose one or the other, if it was, uh, if I didn't have the money to do school or if I only had the money to do one or the other, I guess, I don't know why, you, why I would say it that way. You don't need money for Google really, but I would, I would go um, self-taught on the internet because you can customize and custom tailor your learning experience. Um, but I don't want to take anything away from the universities there. There's a lot of value to be had. There are a lot of resources, um, you know, especially at a school like Mankato, they're all about the real world experience and tying that all together. So um, there's, there's value both ways, but um, my best advice to young entrepreneurs looking to get into, into the game and, and, you know, do something similar to what I did is start now, you know, don't wait till you have your perfect idea or timing is right it won't be ever just a heads up. And uh, right now, well, I say it this way to the the college uh, students and I speak for the majority of the class, maybe some of them are in a different scenario, but most of them don't have um, a family and kids and a mortgage and, and they, they have mouths to feed and they have, you know, real things they're accountable for every day. Um, and so you have this kind of safety net when you're young that you can fall on your face 10 times over and learn so much through that experience um and rebound and just keep getting back on the horse like i did where if i had started at 40 and quit my you know a career that i've been in for 20 years and i'd be taking a huge leap of faith i'd be putting my family at risk and and uh i'm not i'm not trying to discourage anyone who is 40 looking to do this uh it's always the right time if you have if you have it's the balls to do it right i mean there's a lot of risk that goes along with it but um, but the risk is minimal when you're young and you don't have any, anything to lose. Right. So even if you have, 
it's not the right idea, just just do the thing that's on your mind and practice. I, I did so much of that when I was young that I, I'd make brands just to just to build a website and I never saw the light of day. I probably had one website visitor and it's in its duration. But um, I would do it just for the practice, just to fall and, and get back up and, and learn things as I went. And and so start now and, and there will never be a right time. And you can do this on a shoestring budget with most, I shouldn't say most, there's a lot of businesses you can do for very, very little uh, startup capital. Well, it sounds like something that we're going to, Mike, Mike and I want to do some, you know, break 80, you know, merchandise, you know, not a huge thing, but just something to, to add, add into it. And, you know, any, any advice on when you're starting to kind of just try something, you know, whether it be the style or the, you know, the texture or whatever that, that you think would be best, you know, to start up any um, on that front? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'll say is you guys are doing it right. A lot of people come to me and say, Hey, I want to do this. I want to create this brand and it's going to be a lifestyle and, and it's going to, you know, I'm going to do apparel first and then we maybe we'll roll out a podcast and, and then we'll do a blog and this and that. You got to have your foundation before you start trying to push merchandise. So it's, it's very, very hard to just start a, a clothing line from ground zero. If you have, um, well, I'm John a blank, the, the good, good guys, for example, what a, what a brand. I mean, I know they've had some trials and tribulations recently and, and I don't know where they're at today, but, um, but they, they were pushing a lot of product out on the market because of their YouTube channel and the success that they had with the content they were pushing out. You guys are in a great spot with this podcast. Now you are in a position to roll out merchandise. So, so build your lifestyle, if you will, the content piece and get a following and then create merchandise that supports it. Don't try to do it the other way around. Um, as far as materials and, and all of that, um, if you want to start from scratch, we're going to need a little more time, but if you want to tap into Unreal, we, I'm sure we can work something out and, and do some co-branded gear. And, and that way you don't have to think about that side of things too much, but um, I'd say be unique. You know, it's hard to, it's, it's really hard to create something unique if you're just going to the local screen printer and they're all buying the same generic blanks that mm-hmm. kind of everyone has. So if you can get a, a deal done with an Unreal or a, a clothing brand that already has the foundation set in terms of making great quality products. And now it's just about getting your logo on it. Uh, that would be the angle that I would probably go if I were you for sure. That's how we're rolling at the, uh, we're, we're live at the golf show at the convention center on Saturday and Sunday coming up here. And we oh, got, the, uh, we got the hoodies coming. The unreal hoodies are getting screen printed with our logo on them. I um, love it. The black camo is the one I got. What'd you get Jeff? The, the, I got black camo. Yeah. Yeah. The camo. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for the support. I appreciate yeah, that, guys. Absolutely. Well, let's let's kind of end with just where can where can the listeners find some of your unreal clothing? I mean, obviously there's a website, but you know, any retail stores or any any place out there that they can can shop and find it. Yeah, first and foremost, uh, online at, at unrl.co. Um, and then if you're if you're more of a brick and mortar guy, you like to try things on. Shields carries all of our products. Um, Shields throughout the country. Um, Golf Galaxy and Dix will carry our products. Um, the co-branded Barstool uh, product line, you'll find it at Golf Galaxy, Dix, PJ Tour Superstore, um, kind of all the major retailers. If you see Barstool product, look around, you, you'll probably see some Unreal stuff in there too. Um, and that's kind of the, well, we're, we're getting ready to, to really break through on all the, the country clubs and we're in a handful just basically the, the clubs that have called us and, and asked to open an account but we haven't really hit the ground running on on that yet but that's uh that's the next chapter to come 
That's awesome. Well, we thank you for joining us, sharing your story. It's uh, actually quite inspiring, to say the least, and we appreciate that and hoping to, to maybe see you up at the 3M this year. That sounds like a plan. Jeff, Mike, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for coming on. Maybe today's the day I brigade thee. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80.